This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know words like feature quite heavily. So, if you've got kids listening, or you're easily offended, I'd highly advise you to Esteemed deaf pals, now it turns out some of you have been complaining that these episodes aren't long enough. <laughs> well then, you'll be dying to know that this isn't all of it, you wonderful twits. After you've finished hearing how your favourite guests are going to peg it, they join me over at Six Feet Under to read through your real-life death-related anecdotes. I mentioned he was a show stealer. He died on my birthday. Also his niece's birthday, which is two for one. <laughs> oh, Martino. For just two ninety nine a month, you get all that and every episode completely ad-free. <sighs> the dream. So, as the Grim Reaper says, get on with it and subscribe. Head to where there's a will, there's wake.com for details. Right, let's get cracking. Hello, I'm Kathy Burke, and welcome along to this uninspiring edge of the podcast sphere. God, it's awful here in the afterlife, and one of the worst things is the food. It's a beige buffet or nothing. There's only so many potato smileys and rubbish little sandwiches one can eat. Where's Gillian McKeith when you need her? Actually, no, fuck that. Gillian, fuck off. We've told you before. Anyway, welcome to... Where there's a will, there's a wake. As the death clock continues to tick, it's time to invite my next guest to face their fate. While some podcasts look back at famous scandals, we discuss the biggest scandal of all, your great demise. And today, another one bites to dust. Why, it's only John Robbins. John Robbins. Oh, that was lovely. Isn't it nice? I could I could listen to that on a loop, I think. I do listen to it on a fucking loop, and I have to say, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah... <laughs> Anyway, welcome. Thank you very much for having me here in the afterlife. It's very nice to see you. We like to open up with, uh, what have you got to plug? What's going on? Well, um, I'm just about to leave for uh, Edinburgh for the festival, so I don't know when this comes out, but if Edinburgh has not sort of all blazed down in some kind of apocalyptic, <laughs> sort of landlord-led cost implosion, Yes. then uh, do come and see me at the Edinburgh Festival with my show Hal, but I'll be taking it on tour from uh, September to December this year. Nice. In a regional arts centre near you. That's quite a short tour, isn't it? September to December. Uh, it doesn't feel like it. Four months, it's pretty hefty. I thought you guys usually go on for like nine months all around the place. And... I think you're confusing um, the sort of regular stand-up tours with uh, Sarah Millican's tours. Oh, OK. Which are an incredible feat of endurance yes. and commitment to... I love Sarah for this. She always performs at sort of intimate venues, or sort of relatively so. Yeah. Instead of doing four big arena shows, she'll do 900 <laughs> sort of <laughs> thousand-seaters. And, um, yeah, bless her for that. So, mm. should we get on with this? The love. 
So, your last meal, Mr mm-hmm. Robbins, what's it going to be? Well, I tell you what, whenever I go for a meal, I want to focus on the high-end value items. I don't want to get filled up with carbs that I can just as easily access at home very cheap. Yes. So, for example, whenever I go to an all-you-can-eat buffet and I see people with rice and chips on their plate, I think, <laughs> you idiot, <laughs> you absolute amateur. Yeah, yeah. This is $9.99. I'm going to be going for my premium items. So for my starter, I want a curry. Yeah. But with none of the, I don't want rice, I don't want poppadoms, I don't want naan. I don't want any of that getting in the way because this is going to be quite a big meal. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to think, oh, I've had too much rice. Imagine Mm. your last meal and you're like, oh, filled up on bread. Mm. That would be awful. (laughs) Um, Then from my main, I'd like just an enormous pizza because I'm always embarrassed about the fact I can eat a pizza and I could always say I could have I could have another one of those. Right. And my tip with a pizza is 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 train yourself to like a topping that no one else likes because uh-huh. then you never have to share it. So I have um, anchovies, jalapenos, olives, capers <laughs> on my pizza. Uh, it's so salty. It's so sharp. It's so I love vinegary, hot, spicy things. Mm. And then for pudding, just a Chinese. Oh, a Chinese meal. Yeah, a nice. Chinese a Chinese meal for pudding with. Um, I probably have uh, salt and chili tofu, oh. um, but I don't think I would. I don't think I would eat meat in my final meal. I haven't had it for about ten years. I do miss it ever so ever so rarely. Mm. Sort of have a hankering for it, but no. So I think I'd finish with um, some spring rolls, veggie spring rolls. No, no? too sort of dark. They always sort of just sort of taste of mush. Uh-huh. Um, so I would go for. I think I'd go for just the most spicy, chili. Uh, tofu bits and bobs. There's a place in London called Zaibatsu in Greenwich, which you walk past, and you will walk past it because it just looks like a greasy spoon. Uh-huh. And they do this incredible deep-fried tofu with a sort of satay dip. And they, I don't know what it is they use in the batter, but it's sort of crispy and chewy at the same time. Absolutely delicious. I just want everything fried with chilli sauce on it. Nice. I think that's a great last meal, actually. Great last supper. A bit like if those sort of banquet, you know those foods of the world banquets you go to, and it's like every, and they're always kind of crap. If they were done by the best local restaurant that made that thing, mm. uh, that's what sort of what I would want my last supper to be, but just getting the premium premium bits. Oh, lovely. Well, we, we shall make sure that that uh, is, um, what's the fucking word? Accommodated to? You are... you are Accommodated for. Accommodated for. Mm, Thank you for kind. correcting me there. Very much appreciated. So now we move on to... The death. So you stuffed your face. Mm. You're dead. But how did it happen, John? I've been thinking a lot about this. I so I have no fear of death whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It does not phase me, and increasingly I'm kind of working on being much more accepting of things in life. And I think death is the ultimate thing you have to accept, really, because that's what's at the the back of everything. Yeah, like fear of you know being left or fear of missing out or not getting enough stuff. Yeah, I think if you can accept death, maybe you don't need quite as much stuff. So why have you never been really scared of death then? Because that's quite unusual. Well, I think I lived 
I've lived so much of my life thinking I need things to make me feel better. I need cigarettes or I need alcohol or I need, you know, um, I need people to like me or I need a relationship. <laughs> and having you know, every relationship I've ever been in has not worked out. Okay. So eventually you, you, you come to a point where you think, right, I need to find a way that I'm just sort of okay on my own. Yeah, I'm I not- could... I, <laughs> so, yeah, basically bring on death because... Um, <laughs> That's basically what I can look forward to in life because I've fucking failed at everything else. Well, I think I've begun over the last year to sort of stop looking out there for stuff to make me feel better. Yeah. And part of getting to grips with that is realising that, you know, everything is temporary Mm -hmm. because we die. Anyway, I think I would like to... I think I would like to die on my own. Is that unusual as well? I think that is quite unusual, actually, because that's the fear that people have, is dying on their own. Mm. That seems to outweigh actually dying, because especially people coming on there, the the majority of them say, I want to be surrounded by people. Mm. I don't want to die on my own. So I think this is quite interesting that... Well, I would like to have seen people in the run-up, and so I think I would like to have notice. I would like to know I was dying, and that's often what people say. I was reading a, an interview with George Alagayo, who passed away, and he he had said that, in a sense, there was an element of his uh, illness that meant he was lucky because he had warning. Yeah, He could get his affairs in order. He could see his friends. He could say what he needed to say to people. Yeah. I think that's massive. I think I would sort. I would quite like to be alone mm. because I've spent quite a lot of my life on my own. Uh-huh. You know, stand-up is a very solitary existence. You're driving, you're backstage, you're on stage, you're alone when you're on the stage, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've lived alone for the past uh, seven years. Um, I've had relationships in that time, but I've still always just been me in my house mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm. So I'm very used to my own company and I'm very comfortable sort of ruminating on things. So I think I would like to, after all the things are done, after the, all the stuff is destroyed that needs to be destroyed... Mm, which we will get on to. Um, I think I would sort of like to just sort of try and meditate. I'd like to hear... I, I was thinking the other night, I was lying in my bed with the window open. I thought, why do I feel so calm? And it was the sound of wood pigeons. You know, that kind of... Mm. And I remember when I was about six, lying in my bed at sort of dusk and just dozing off. Uh, you know when you have to go to bed when it's still light when you're a kid? Yeah. And then when you get in your 40s, that happens again. That's it. <laughs> I still lie on something, I'm knackered. Um, so just maybe the sound of wood pigeons and the sound of a bit of rain. I love, love the sound of rain mm. uh, on my roof at home. So I always, if it's... um. If it shows it's going to be raining heavily on my weather app, I will sort of race home to be able to lie because my roof is just sort of above my bed. Mm. It's so relaxing. Um, so something like that, very peaceful and very sort of just with the, the sort of acceptance of it all. Yeah, that sounds beautiful, actually. And also it's made me think, because um, you do often hear, you know, even when people have got people at their bedside and, and whatever, if they're, if they're dying... You, you often hear, like, oh, I just went up and went to the toilet, and when I come back, he'd gone. Yeah. You know, and I think there's probably a set of, you know, you do wonder if people do wait until, no, I'm just going to wait until you're out the room, actually. Yeah. I think I'd rather it. To be able to go, hey, guys, you've been helping me to the toilet for some time now, and changing <laughs> my sheets and all that stuff. 
I think this last one, I just want to go. I just want to go myself. And, you know... Be independent for one last Yeah, time. yeah, just sort of, you know, I sort of came into this world alone, obviously with my mum there, <laughs> <laughs> but would like to sort of leave alone as well and sort of make my peace with a, well, whatever force is up there, um, either dictating or not dictating what we do and just mm. kind of say... Thanks for some great memories. Yeah. Sorry about this, this and this. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there you go. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break. This is an advertisement for BetterHelp Therapy Online. Goddess Charlie, you all right? You look a bit tense. What makes you say that? Well, <laughs> you're biting your nails and your leg is shaking like a horny chihuahua. Oh, yeah. Now you mention it, I do feel a bit stressed. Come on then, spill the beans to Auntie Kath. What's on your mind? That's the weird thing. I don't actually know. It could be the endless sleepless nights I spend strategising on how I'm going to get a ticket to Glastonbury this year. Or it could be the triple espresso I necked to make sure I didn't fall asleep on the way to work. Blimey, goddess. Whatever it is, you should invest some time in getting to the bottom of it. You're right. It's no good letting things fester and get out of control, especially when it's so convenient to talk to therapists now. Ah, you mean our friends at BetterHelp? Precisely. It's entirely online and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash wake. That's BetterHelp.com slash wake. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, well, lovely. So you're going to die quite happily on your own, having had a great life. Well, not even just a sort of average one, but one that I am content with. Because I think something I was reading about recently, it's like happiness is not the goal. Because happiness is fleeting. Yeah, yeah. Contentment But that, to me, is a great life. If you're content, that, to me, I think is a great life. So the public's response, John Robbins... What do you think people are going to... How do you think people are going to react? I think there would be a small group of people who would be very sad, um, but I I would be quite um, comforted by the fact that as long as it's not deleted, there's about <laughs> 600 to 1,000 hours of me chatting, so yes. people have somewhere to go. Yes. <laughs> and that's probably too much. <laughs> that's way too much. And, and God willing, should I live another 10, 20... 30 years that will there will be more there'll be more but then you see you start getting younger fans younger listeners mm. they're going to want all that you see this wonderful back catalogue of chat well I have a slight concern because like all people I'm terrified of AA with fuck me what a Freudian <laughs> terrified of AA <laughs> 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 because, like all people, I'm terrified of AI. Oh, right. <laughs> without having done any um, 
You can keep that in. Uh, <laughs> without having done any real research about what it is. And I wonder if there's enough of my voice around mm. and my opinions and my intonation for like some bots to just create podcasts when I'm dead forever. I mean, they could do that. They could. What if AI me got cancelled for saying something awful? Yeah. And then and then my Wikipedia page would have to be updated posthumously to say in <laughs> you know, in twenty one hundred and nine he got cancelled for saying something terrible about I don't know, the Italians. Yes. Well <laughs> I mean, that could go on for everybody, yeah. really. I'll have to put it in my will that AI me has to always just talk about Queen and um Yes. Golf. Golf. <laughs> God, <was> dull. <laughs> dull man. But who would replace you, do you think, then? Because you've got your own unique way of... I'm just sort of thinking, would anybody be able to replace you? If well, you suddenly pegged it, you know what I mean, halfway through doing some shows? I don't... Maybe stand-up-wise, no. It's all quite specific to me. I mean, radio, Ellis would be gutted. In fairness to him, he would be gutted. Yes. But it would free up his Fridays. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's now able to do long weekends with Izzy and his kids. Mm -hmm. But then he could finally sort of retire into his life of talking about Welsh sport, old Welsh football... <laughs> present-day Welsh football and sort of sports documentaries, and I'd be really pleased for him. Yeah. So in a sense, me, me dying is the final piece of the jigsaw for Ellis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him. No. <laughs> Might be something in your coffee, you know what I mean, next time you're... Yeah. And what publication would you want your obituary to be in, do you think? I would like it in the Queen Fan Club magazine. Oh, lovely. Just just put it in the paper copy. As I don't want it just on the website. Uh -huh. The paper copy for yes. people. I want the people who subscribe to the fanzine to get my obituary. Well, we're going to uh, carry on talking about uh, after you die a little bit later, but just want to know about reincarnation. Mm. What would you like to come back as? Animal, vegetable or mineral? Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I know these jingles. Uh, they you will give one for a while. Uh, they will give someone a fucking heart attack one day. Do you know what I mean? Because they do come in a bit. <laughs> oh god, it's not. A, it's only a matter of time till you get the first person who dies listening to this podcast. Oh, You'll be yeah. in the news. Oh, that'd be great. Free publicity. Yeah. Lovely. I like the idea of reincarnation. Mm. It sort of relies on the fact you don't remember your previous life, I guess. Because if you came back as a sort of dog, and you were thinking. God, you know, two years ago, I used to be the one <laughs> going down the pub and buying the dog food. Now look at me. I think it'd be horrible. Yes. But I would love to live as a bird. Mm. Um, there's a graveyard near me that I want to be buried in. Yeah. But it's full. Oh, OK. It's all booked up. Right. So I'm going to have to be in the market for bribing a vicar, I think. Because mm. the one that isn't full isn't quite as nice. And you know these full graveyards, right? Mm. You know, some of the people that are taking up the room, there's probably nobody around visiting them anymore because some of them are sort of way from way back, 18, 15, something well, or other. Also, why not bury them lengthways like a fence post? Yeah. And then you're only taking up what, you know, three square foot as opposed to seven foot by three foot by three foot. Yeah. So why not slot us in down Tetris style? Yes. As opposed to I'm sure they flat. do that they somewhere. Do. 
If it did, if it wasn't a living thing, mm. mineral. It, if it was a mineral, I'd really like to come back as one of those sort of. I think they call them liminal spaces or non-spaces. So like a travelodge corridor or a motorway service station. One of the or a you know um, Heathrow Terminal Two. Just those sort of places, I find them so relaxing that they're the same wherever you go. No one is interested in what anyone else is doing in them, but sort of all humanity is there. Those little bizarre... If you go to a a hotel that's one up from a travelodge, by the the lifts it'll have a couple of slightly chintzy seats and a a fake plant and a a bad picture. Who's that? Who are those seats for? It's sort yeah. of dressing stuff as if it's going to be a communal cool area. Well, I'll meet you when the chi- the chintzy seats by the lift and we can hang out under the picture. Yeah, yeah. No one ever goes there. But I find all that stuff quite calming. None more so than a... I guess this also comes from the early years of doing stand-up, but going to a motorway services at one in the morning... That I, I used to get this sense of complete bliss. So maybe I would come back as Reading Services Westbound or not any of the really nice ones because I want them to be their own thing. So, mm. you know, T-Bay, um, Gloucester. No, I'm not going to try. I want to be one of those really anonymous, maybe Hopwood Park. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cheveley. mm uh, but yeah, I just I find something about them very, very, very calming. Nice. Right. So now it's time to discuss the funeral. So lovely listeners, before we get into hearing all about John's funeral, if you find yourself wanting to hear more fun, death-related fro- frolics, fucking there were so many Fs from missing. <laughs> <laughs> Head on over to our subscription podcast, Six Feet Under, where we have bonus chat from our dead good guests and read through your real-life funeral tales. Something typically British. Mustard. A time of day. 6.20am. A summer berry. Raspberry. A flavour of vape. Strawberry. Plus... Get all episodes completely ad-free. Ha-ha. So, to find out how to subscribe, just go to wherethersawillthersawake.com. OK, back to the fantasy world. So, John Robbins, it's happened, and now it's the big day of the funeral. Where are we having it? What's going on? So, I think a very simple affair. I wouldn't actually mind my body being just kind of left in the woods to be eaten by animals, birds... Foxes, mm. and then sort of return to the earth that way. And that's what we're going to have to end up doing when we run out of grave space. Of it's course, just, you know, just decompose. Yeah, you can yeah. get these little suits they wrap you in that turn into fungus. Oh, I quite nice. like that idea. I do. Yeah, so the sort of worms can just return you to the earth in the most sort of um, efficient way possible. Yeah. So maybe they could file past me in the wood as I'm laid under a tree in a little shallow grave. I'd love that. Um, How are you getting there in the first place? Take me there. I'd maybe in the I've, my dream car when I was a teenager was a Sierra Cosworth. Yes, <laughs> RS five hundred. I looked that up. I do mean, you remember them? Well, well, of course I do. And and so I looked it up and I thought, what? What the fuck? I mean, they're not exactly special, are they? They're not. It's... No, but they were. 
they were almost achievable. Mm. There was always the guy round the other street who had one. Right. <laughs> it was just within the realms of someone on sort of an average wage. If they were careful with their money, they one day might be able to get a cosy. Yeah. And it had that, you know, it had the technology and it had a bit of the bump and a bit of the bit of the horsepower. I would like to be driven to the funeral in Sierra Cosworth for the first time. Nice. Somewhere they could open it up a bit. Maybe the police are on their tail and they say, mate, I've got a corpse in here. It was his dying wish. And they go, do you know what? <laughs> go crazy. Do your bollocks. Yeah, yeah. And then my mates can carry me out of the cosy and just lay me down under a tree or plant a tree on me even. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I went to a funeral at um, a memorial woodland and it was it was great. Yeah. It was really lovely. And they had a little, just a little plaque, very sort of um, humble plaque under a cherry tree. And I thought, yeah, that'll do me. That's nice. And then they could, I thought it'd be nice if they go to a little clearing. Maybe there's a few hay bales laid out, bit of a bar, a few fairy lights. You know those adverts for mobile phones that just, you think no one's ever been... Oh, yes. <laughs> I know what you, you know, With all of the sort of bulbs in the oh, trees. Oh, yes, and, yes. <laughs> but if maybe we could have that as sort of, as dusk fell mm. and just play a few songs. My friend Robin, my best friend, is a very good guitarist and singer. So he, and not the kind of annoying one who gets out of guitar and sings sitting on the dock of the bay too, oh, too yes. enthusiastically at a party. I mean, someone who's really good, sort of finger-picking, mm. a very gentle voice, so... He could maybe sing a couple of my favourite songs. Um, people could say a few bits and bobs, read a few poems. I'd like Philip Larkin in there somewhere. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, big. Um, I've got. He wrote to my grandma. I've got some letters of his. Wow, really? Yeah. Just about. You know, it was in the days where she said, oh, "I enjoyed this program and." I got this edition of your book, and he wrote back saying, "Oh, that's interesting. Could you tell me more about the edition? Because I wasn't aware they were in print, and just sort of quite." Oh, that's so nice. Are you so it was like fan letters. She didn't yeah. know him. These no, were... no. Oh, how wonderful! Yeah, so I got four four letters from him on the University of Hull library paper. Any Queen song? I think it's sort of almost too grand. Mm. I sort of joke with Ellis that I want 10,000 pipers to play Who Wants to Live Forever at mm. my big steak <laughs> funeral. But I think it, it's too... Actually, there's a song called My Melancholy Blues, which is a very sweet, very unqueen-like sort of jazz, almost like jazz club mm. type song. So just the little, like a little smorgasbord of John. Yeah. And um, a little bar. Someone's brought some cans, maybe a firkin of ale some wine, mm. and people are just sort of sipping. and So, yeah, everyone can get absolutely lashed at the funeral. I would love that. Lovely. Yeah. And what are you going to be wearing? I mean, I know it's going to be eaten to shreds by the animals, yes. but... Well, as you can see, I'm very much a black jeans and band T-shirt kind of person. Nice. And as I don't care how many people say I look lovely in a shirt. <laughs> I just... I, every time I wear a suit to anything, which is about three times a year, mm. people go, God, you look lovely in a suit. You should wear a suit more often. I'm like, where the fuck am I going to wear a suit? Yeah, boy. <laughs> and I get caught out because people... I've got a suit, uh -huh. which is my suit, and it's for weddings, yeah. it's for funerals, it's for meetings, it's for any corporate events. Mm. So people sort of say, oh, what sort of suit are you wearing? I said, well, there's no choice. There is my suit, which I'm wearing. Um, I've just never, I'm just, I just, I'm of the generation where 
you wear a T-shirt that says what band you like and then people come up and say, that's really cool, I like them as well. Yes, yes. Doesn't really I am. Um, well, the other day, no, I was on a bus the other day and um, I, I sort of get a Ramones T-shirt, mm. probably, you know, the famous Ramones T-shirt. I, I probably get a new one like every five years or so. And, uh, and this has been a constant since my first one probably when I was about 16. And it was so nice the other day because I was on the bus and as I was getting off the bus, there was a lady sat there, a black lady with a beautiful headscarf on and stuff, and she had a white T-shirt on under her jacket. And as I was stood there waiting for the bus stop, I thought it was a fucking Ramones T-shirt. And it was exactly the same as mine, but it was a white... So I went, oi! And I haven't done that since <laughs> I was a teenager. Oi! And she looked at me and went, yeah, and I went, look. And she... Burst out laughing. I went, what are the chances? She went, I know, I know, isn't it nice? And I said, yeah, but I'm old enough to fucking remember them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't even know whether she if she even knew they were, you know, because it's such a cool T-shirt, you know. Get this, right? So when I, the first time I interviewed Brian May, mm. we were on Radio X and he was in to talk about his 3D photography book and I wore my T-shirt that I had had specially made. And you know those band T-shirts where it's, I think it started off with like John and Paul and George and Ringo. Yes. And I got one made and it said May and Taylor and Mercury and Deacon yeah. for Queen. And I wore it and we interviewed him and Brian had not seen this T-shirt before and his eyes lit up. Yeah. And he took a selfie of me in the T-shirt with him that he put on his Instagram. I just, you know, wow. absolute dream come true. Anyway, about six months later... They're on the Queen merch website. <gasps> so Brian's obviously had a word mm. and said, I saw this guy in a great T-shirt. Can we get them printed? Yeah. So then now you can get them in all different colours on the um, Queen. And I can tell, I know they're different <laughs> because they'd gone Mercury, May, Taylor and Deacon. Right? Uh, they Whereas mine Freddie said first. May. And he, I think he liked the fact that it said May yes. first. So anyway, two days ago, I was in Brighton mm. and there were a group of girls crossing the road, I would say 13, 14. Yeah. You know, sort of first first trips out into town on your own kind of age. Anyway, this girl was wearing a T-shirt. It said, Mercury, May, Taylor and Deacon. And I said to her, I love your T-shirt. And she sort of looked a bit, a bit sort of aloof, but also a bit like, yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> but then it struck me, she's bought that from the Queen website because I made one that Brian May then got them to make. So there's sort of a really nice that's, generational sort of inheritance of Queen T-shirts. I think that's gorgeous. What a <laughs> fucking wonderful story. But also, again, very astute of Mr May. Just, mm, there's another way to make some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... I think I might know the answer, but I don't want to be facetious and say now I know everything about you, John. But who's going to meet you at the pearly gates? When I get to the pearly gates, I would like to meet whoever is, you know, top dog. Oh, right. First off. Okay. So if it's Christ, him, if it's Buddha, if it's um, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, whoever it is, I'd like to, because it's their gaff. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to know how things work. Can, am I allowed to vape there? Yeah, of course you're allowed to vape because, yeah, you can do what you want, I think. I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed that you've not said Freddie. Well, the problem, look, I've met a lot of my heroes. I'm very lucky. I once met Rick Mail on the steps of Liverpool Street Station. Oh, lovely. And just, he was filming something mm. and I just looked at him 
and they were trying to get him to redo something, and I just did the thing that he, well, I did a very bad impression of the thing he does in Bottom, which is my favourite show, and kind of went, oh, <laughs> and he looked at me and went, oh, and, and the director said, Rick, can we go again, please? And he said, I'm communing with my people. <laughs> but, oh, so that was a perfect interaction. Because I didn't need anything from him. I didn't kind of hassle him or it. Mm. And, but I've met enough people who I admire to know that really, uh, there's, they can't give me what I want. Yes, money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Having said that, I think you're probably right. I think if it's God or Muhammad or Buddha or whatever, I think they'd be like, oh, thank fuck, someone wants to say hello. Yes. Because everyone... they're all trying to get Jimi Hendrix out. Yes. <laughs> and it's actually, it's actually about me more than Jimi Hendrix. Yes, yes. And also, it'd be nice to see Rick again. Oh, I would, he would uh, be such a beautiful pain in heaven, wouldn't he? Just the best. Right, so I think we'll move on to eulogies now. And I say eulogies, you've managed to get two eulogies for us. Um, usually we just have the one. Mm. Or sometimes the lazy arseholes like Katie Price go, oh, can't calf do it. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Price, and it was the old Joe Lyset got me to do And I said, that's it. Oh, that's come it. on, Joe. But, um, but yes, yeah, so why have we got two? Well, I think there are three people I'd like to speak at my funeral. My oldest friend, Robin, who's known me since I was 14. Obviously, then I, when I started doing comedy, I met Ellis at my second or third gig. Mm-hmm. And we now, you know, have a partnership of sorts where we're both together and separate, like the secret to all great relationships. Yeah. Um, so you could say a few words. And then more recently, in the last sort of four, four or five years, Lou Sanders ah. has been a sort of spiritual guide and, you know, really a guardian angel for me. So I managed to get uh, Ellis and Lou to, uh, to say a few words uh, for us today. What a privilege it is to speak at John's funeral and to try and make some sense of his tragic passing. After years of being really, really world-class at smoking fags, I just can't believe it was CrossFit that got him in the end. If only he hadn't messed up that bloody sumo deadlift typo. John was unique, a total one-off. I've never met anyone else like him. The only person I've ever known to be gloomy when he was hungry and depressed because he was full. Still, for those three mouthfuls after he'd finished telling me what the chef at the restaurant had done wrong, he was a really, really lovely bloke. John could be exceptionally kind and wise and meeting him changed my life. I've also had it confirmed from numerous tour promoters that no comedian in history has ever gone through contracts, tour settlements or VAT bills with such forensic accuracy. So as his comedic partner and as someone who simply can't be asked to do all of that stuff, his passing not only leaves me emotionally poorer, but also considerably financially worse off. <laughs> as the one of John's six friends charged with organising this funeral, I'd like to apologise for only being able to source a hundred Scottish pipers to play as his dumbbell-shaped coffin is lowered into the ground, which of course is only 1% of the number he'd actually requested. <laughs> Everyone gathered here today will remember John for his tremendous creativity and the magical stand-up comedy shows he wrote and performed at the Edinburgh Festival. However, writing is a craft, so I've done as John instructed on his deathbed and thrown the bin bag of his teenage poetry into the North Sea. <laughs> so I'd just like to say, John, 
Sorry for going through that bin bag, but we had a sweepstick on how many of your teenage poems referenced The Hobbit, and I'm delighted to say that your best friend Robin won with his guess of all of them. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> oh. oh, that was cute. I mean, he, he sent that to me at about quarter past one in the morning, <laughs> and you can tell that he is absolutely knackered. <laughs> yes. Well, now we're going to hear what lovely Lou has to say. We gathered here today to remember the lovely Johnny Bobbins, <laughs> DJ Proddins. Now, funerals are not tax deductible. <laughs> but if you are here to network, you can probably put 50% through of your expenses because there are some top celebs here. John's prepaid them to attend. I'm sure you'll agree that John was gone too soon, just as he discovered jazzy shirts and honesty. <laughs> as deep as a pizza and just as popular with the girlies. We'll miss his advice on how to defrost the freezer and how to test your boiler. A man who could tenderly squat with perfect form. I used to say that you can't get to heaven in a Kia Sportage, but now I think that Johnny Bobbins is proof that maybe you can. Now, if you'll excuse me, it's time for me to carry out my two promises to John. I must burn his laptop and spray everyone with tear gas for the pickies. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, I was perhaps um, arrogantly expecting both Ellis and Lou to become more emotional during the voice notes, um, but they've, they've done themselves proud because you, you have to write a speech you can get through. Yes. And I think that's what they've done. Yes. They've done their grieving in their own time. They have. Um, I guess one thing we haven't talked a great deal about today is my attention to detail with things like tax and yes, boilers. And, yes, But I've got, I've got real stepdad energy over those sorts of things. OK. I, I will, I'm a, quite a solution-orientated. Oh, OK. So is this sort of... Um, are you a stand-up comedian, podcast host who desperately has got an accountant inside him fighting to get out? I do. Um... Luckily, I'm I'm able to just sort of use that to help out the odd friend, and I've not let it take over too much. But I do have a lot of spreadsheets on my computer for things that do not need spreadsheets. Right. A friend of mine, a comedian and writer, Dan Atkinson. Every year, his dad creates a spreadsheet of all the wines in Decanter magazine that score over eighty points that are available in the five main supermarkets. <laughs> Fucking hell. People's lives. <laughs> I mean, that's extraordinary, isn't it? Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you will instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. The wind. 
So we've sort of done the wake because we, we know what you want. We know the music and the party and all the rest of it. Um, the lovely uh, outdoor light bulbs. And, and I want them all disappearing off into the streets to seek out a pub. That's it. Yeah. How lovely. So haunting, yes. Would you want, would you want to haunt anybody? No, not for me at all, okay. I don't think. I, I, I wouldn't want to be caught between worlds. I also wouldn't want to... Ah, oh, the idea of like hearing someone say something about me and not being able to make it right. Ah, oh. I wouldn't like that. Okay, you know, I wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to interfere with anyone. I wouldn't want to see them when they didn't know they were being seen. I find the whole everything about haunting quite disturbing. Mm. Um, also, I think it'd be too sad to be just out of reach of someone you might want to. You're sort of you're you're physically dead, but emotionally alive but not able to right any wrongs or not able to engage in all the fun people were having. No, could not do that at all, thank you. Okay, mate. Well, it won't be happening. Good. And also, I've just met, you know, fingers crossed, a pretty big religious leader at the Pearly Gates. Yes. I can't say, oh, I'm just going to pop out for a bit to... um, Check in on my ex. Yeah, yeah. Or see if uh, see if they've replaced me on the BBC. Yeah, yeah. He'd Just... be like, no, you you literally you, once you're out, you can't come back in. It's like one of those nightclubs. We'll put a stamp on it. Oh, uh, yes. Can't yeah. just pop in and out. It's never like a stepdad sat in the corner going, the switch for the immersions actually it's next to the boiler, but you have to put your hand round. Oh, and that, and, yes. And turn that on if you want a big bath. Uf- useful. That would useful be handy. Ghost. Yeah, yeah. You know. You've got to you've got to hold it till it clicks. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the igniter. Uh-huh. <laughs> the the warranty is in the folder. <laughs> it's the Dyson. I took, of course I took out a warranty. Yes, yeah, yes. It's, it's within two years. Oh my God! You just reminded me. I said that to my friend Olaf a couple of weeks ago. Not of course though, but um, he said to me. Um, you know, you're, you're the boiler. And I went, yeah. And he went, you know, it has to get an annual service. I went, of course I know <laughs> it has an annual service, Olaf. I mean, I was really sort of pissed off that he brought... This is my friend who basically does everything for me in that <laughs> house. And usually I'm messaging him going, what do I need to do? You know, he sees you in my life, you know. And then he just brought it up very gently. You know, have you had the boiler? So, yes. <laughs> All paid up, thank you very much. They message me and let me know they're coming. Anyway. Yeah, a useful a, a useful ghost. Yes. If I could be helpful, pop out of heaven and just be able to give people little tips and tricks. <laughs> that reminds me, years and years ago, when we used to do the Harry Enfield programme and Harry used to do a character called Only Me. Yeah. And he would basically just turn up to uh, give advice, that sort of... God, I used to quote that in the schoolyard. Oh, did you? I mean, yeah. Me. I don't believe you wanted to do that. Wasn't that? That's the same. That's guy. it. That is the same guy. Yeah. I don't Only believe me. you wanted to do that. Now, did you? That's it. Now we're going to talk wills. So, what have you got, and who's getting it? Well, in terms of stuff people would actually want, I mean, I've got. A, I think it'd be quite funny to give Ellis my. I've got two yellow bespoke leather Freddie Mercury jackets. Oh, his actual jackets? No. Copies of. Oh, right, copies of. Yeah. Um, and I think giving those to him would be quite hilarious because 
he would have to keep them. Yes. He would know <laughs> he had to keep them. Is there anything you wouldn't want anyone to find? Anything you think you better get rid of? Yeah, quick. Ellis made reference to it. Uh, I have on my in my possession a bag of poetry I wrote when I was a teenager. Oh, nice. It's sort of colloquially referred to as the bag of death. <laughs> and it's got to go. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, do you know what? The more I think about it, especially after after my stepdad died, and he wasn't particularly good with his filing, so just so much stuff, years of statements and just crap, because that's the last thing, you know, if there's anyone in my life left kind of who is you know, very close to me and sad. At the minute, I've not really got anyone who's right. going to have to do that. The bank will do it or whoever it is. But, you know, the last thing I want is to then burden them with some of the most complex admin you'll ever go through in your life. Yeah. So it'll all be in a couple of folders. But the the bag of poetry has to go, and that's got to go. I might even do it tonight. What's the point? Mm. What's the <clears throat> point in holding on to it? I've gone through it once in maybe 20 years. And did it make you laugh? Did it make you... No, I mean, did me... you find any use for it, for your stand-up? Or... Uh, no, I got rid of some really, like, just cringeworthy, like, diary, like, handwritten diaries that I thought, if mm. anyone ever sees this, I will burst into flames. Yeah, yeah. So that was all gone. <laughs> there was silly stuff like a can of Diet Coke I had on a date with a girl in 1997. Amazing. Which... Aside from seeing how the design of Diet Coke has changed was, you know, well, there's no point. Yeah. Unless it's in a, some kind of museum with a little... But we're all essentially trying to create museums of our own life. Yes, yes. But no one wants to see John Robbins' bus receipt from the time <laughs> he was stood up in 1999 outside Bristol Temple Mead Station. Well, that's not... What's that there for? So, John, mm. we're almost at the end of the episode. This has been quite magnificent, I have to say. So you're about to be animal food. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real treat finding out all about your funeral details. But before we release your spirit to the afterlife for all eternity, we need you to leave one final thing to the planet. So no pressure, but what are your... Famous last Burn the laptop. Brilliant. And do you know what? That's not a tawdry porn thing. No, no. It's just all the crap on there. I mean, some of my search histories probably wouldn't reflect me in the best light, but who, whose would? That's it, mate. We all had a little look when we, we first we got them. We were all like, whoa! Curiosity <laughs> is not a sin. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think probably that would be quite funny if I just turned to, turned to my friend Robin. I said, I think the time has come. For you to burn the laptop. He pops out. I whack on Astral Weeks. Car kit on my own. Birds are singing. Rain is falling. Bish, bash, bosh. Beautiful. So neat and tidy. Well, thank you very much. Deaf lovers, it's goodbye. Or is it? Because it's not over yet. We've got more fun with John over on our subscription podcast, Six Feet Under, where we rifle through your real-life deaf anecdotes. Head to where there's a will, there's a wake.com to subscribe. Thank you so much again, John Robin, for joining us. Thank you. It's been such oh, a pleasure to meet you. And he's I going. I absolutely love this. He's gone. Mm-hmm.
You've been listening to Where There's a Will, There's a Wake with me, Kathy Burke. My senior producer is Charlie Morrell and my producers are Naya Dio and Katie Bowden, or as I like to call them, my producer goddesses. Sound engineer is Ed Gill. Production coordinator is Archon Mohalay. Marketing by Abby Brock. Original music written and performed by Jonathan Rathbone. The executive producer is Ollie Wilson. <laughs> 